Welcome to episode 12 of the Gentle Business Sessions, a podcast hosted by me, Ashley Bowden, and powered by Marvelous and Willow Space. It is so good to have you here. In this week's episode, I have a conversation with Minachi around healing money trauma. This conversation is beautiful and compelling. I think that it adds a lot of nuance and reflection points for those of us who are looking to bring more healing to our relationship with money and the experiences that we potentially hold financially. And I am super excited for you to hear it. So settle in and listen in. Hello, Minachi. I'm so honored and so grateful to be spending some time with you today to have a conversation. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I am thrilled that people get the opportunity to hear from you, and we're going to dive into a lot around money trauma, which we can all resonate with in different contexts. But first, I'd love for you to introduce yourself a little bit. Maybe what is the most important things that you want people to know about you? This is a dangerous question. (laughs) I'm going to give you the professional answer, and then I'll give you the real answer. (laughs) I love that. Hi, everybody. My name is Minachi. I use she, her pronouns. I am a somatic healing practitioner. So a lot of what I do is working with people with the body and ancestral trauma and our communication, all the, all the ways that things just show up um, and seeing how we can change relationship with our body and with our words um, so that we can build the relationships we want both with ourselves and with each other. Beautiful. And then the real answer. <laughs> Proud member of Bachelor Nation. Doritos are my favorite chips. Um, and I can pretty much reference any episode of Golden Girls. Really? Mm. I didn't anticipate the third one. And I love it. I love when I can hear something like that from someone. And I'm like, wow, I didn't see it coming. Mm. And I love it. Amazing. Well, I think at the sort of start of this conversation, I'd love to get your perspective on how you would define money trauma. Yeah. I think about money trauma, even just saying the words, I can feel my body is already doing things, right? So um, I imagine many folks who are listening have some familiarity with trauma, uh, right? Like So like, our fight responses, our freeze responses, our flight. And in the same way that that gets transferred over to our relationships with money, when we break into a cold sweat, when we have to start talking about our rates or when we are terrified of uh, looking at our bank statements, right? There's so much historical gunk and shame and blame that is associated with money and also the way money has moved within communities, that there is a, a, more often than not, there's like a dissociation or a clenching of the body that happens when we get into conversations about money. And broadly speaking, all of those reactions and behaviors are things that fall within the umbrella of money trauma. I really want to pull out what you said there about there often being dissociation in the body 
when it comes to money? How might someone know that that's what's happening for them? Oh, some really simple ways um, are you find yourself making a lot of purchases and you'd like just don't even realize it. And then you've got like 10 million packages at your door and you're no more happier or satiated than when you started. I think a really common one is that your brain just goes blank when you have to talk about money and you don't know how you feel, you don't know how to navigate or be in the conversation. So any of those kind of like checking out, not being able to feel. What I might even invite people to do right now is actually just take a moment of pause and breath and notice how you're feeling as you listen to me and Ashley talking about money and does it feel different for you than when you think about money, right? Like what are the body sensations you're tracking in this moment? And do you, what information does that give you? Really powerful to pay attention to. When someone has money trauma, how does that impact their business? So I, I, would feel comfortable wagering that most of us are moving with some degree of money trauma and that it's, you know, we come to our awareness, we clear, we heal, and then other stuff pops up again. Um, it really shows up for people who are entrepreneurs, who are self-employed, who are literally responsible for having conversations about money in order to manage your livelihood, right? Um, and we'll often see it in the difficulty discussing our rates with our clients, um, the difficulties with managing things like setting aside for taxes or managing for our retirement, right? I think a lot of people, I don't know, but I've encountered so many people who are hyper fixated on looking at all of those numbers. I tend to see more people who never want to look at their numbers or who just like are you know, three years kind of like in back debt because they haven't been consistent with their taxes and their documentation and all of those things. Um, so for those of us who are self-employed, it really shows up in, um, in how we set our hours, under earning, overworking. And obviously, as you can imagine, it can be something that you don't even necessarily have words to or that once the words come in, there's a little bit more clarity of like, oh, I didn't realize that I was operating from that wound, or I didn't realize that I was operating from this particular belief. And I think it might be helpful. I think I'll name some of the like specific patterns. Yeah. Some patterns are cycles of feast and famine, like just roller coaster rides of doing really well, and then everything crashes. Um, it can look like a sense of immense guilt at receiving money, either because I think in the populations that I work with, people are either coming from uh, backgrounds where people in their family have engaged with exploitation. And so there's an intense terror in their bodies that if I engage with money, I will reenact exploitation on others. And on the flip side, for people who are coming from communities that have been more historically oppressed, 
there's the idea that if I have money, I will become an oppressor. I will betray my people. Yeah. It can, should I pause? I can say more, but I'm wondering if I want to like pause and let that land. Yeah. I think that needs to land. I love that you're naming that because it's probably not something depending on who you are and where you come from it might not be it might be something that's living within your body but that you have not consciously named yeah so I love that you named it Hmm. you can continue (laughs) it looks like a very very common one is Mm -hmm. either the enmeshment of self-worth and money that my sense of self my value what i contribute to the world is tied up into the money i do or don't have Mm. it can show up in uh, the idea that making money has to be incredibly painful right that in order to have more money i have to work so much harder and it can also look like actually having the resources that you need but constantly living in scarcity constantly feeling like you don't have enough that also is a form of money trauma a friend of mine I, a friend of mine told me the story that i just love um comes from a puerto rican family and his grandfather had been the one who came over real like working class, like small man, like created a lot of avenues for everyone. And when he died, the family went to clean out the house and just had hundreds of thousands of dollars stocked in like the sock drawer and underneath the mattress and the hole in the wall. You know what I mean? Because when you're constantly terrified that you're not going to be okay, you squirrel away all these resources instead of just being able to live your life beautifully and freely. All of us, I am sure, can find our sense of familiarity in some of those patterns and listening to them, I know that I can, for sure. When someone, like let's say someone's listening and they identify, okay, I see what you're saying. I think I have that pattern happening. Mm. What does one do with that awareness? Mm. I can tell you what I do. Um, Yeah. yeah. The work that I do is I use the modality called family constellation therapy. And it is a somatic modality for ancestral healing, which is very, very different from mindset work, which is what I think people are conventionally just more familiar with, right? The idea that if I think differently, I'll experience the world differently, which is true. Our thoughts change a lot of things, but a lot of times there's gunk in the body that our brains will just never be able to find. And with this particular modality that I use, it is possible for me with a client collaboratively to go into the nervous system and unearth these things that have been kind of like really running the show and clear that in that ancestral trauma, the inherited trauma, etc., so that you can have a relationship with money that is more self-determined. 
And I think what I'll say for folks who are maybe less familiar with intergenerational trauma, there is this like <laughs> awesome graphic and like like wild, like geeky science stuff, right? Of the fact that like for all of us, um, like I'll use myself. So like when my grandmother was pregnant with my mother, I existed in my grandmother's womb because the egg that became me and my siblings like existed, was formed, right? When my mother was in utero, which then means epigenetically that the stressors my grandmother was facing also will show up. So I caught this webinar and I actually had to do with attachment theory and hypersexuality. The teacher of it or the presenter was kind of speaking to what you just spoke about, about how their children can be born with trauma present, not because of their lived experience, but because of the lived experience of the parent and the grandparent. It really like blew my mind a little bit because I think sometimes we can hold things that, at least this happens to me, I can hold things where I'm like, it doesn't make a lot of sense rationally why I am so afraid of this thing or why I feel so overwhelmed by this thing. And, and hearing that and hearing what you just said, I think it might just give validation for people of what might be going on for them. I think it's one of the things that I love about my work. So one of the underlying premises, there's two premises of family constellation work. One is that if there's a particular blockage or gunk or pattern that we keep repeating in our own lives and we're like, why can't I move past this? It is often related to a trauma that we have inherited. And if we can identify and release that trauma from our nervous system, then things can move more freely. The second premise is that the universe really wants us to win, like <laughs> that love is genuinely available, that people really want us to be able to be free and ourselves and authentically in the world. And I think exactly what you're saying about the piece of like, we can really beat ourselves up for like, I know this thing in theory, why am I not implementing it? And again, there's stuff woven into our nervous system that if we don't even recognize that it is there, um, it's almost like trying to brush your teeth, but like your mouth is wired shut. Yeah, totally. Can offer. I think that can just offer a lot of compassion for people. Yeah. Myself included. Mm -hmm. I love to, I'd love to hear you share a little bit more about Well, I'll tell you what my understanding is sort of of this, and then you can like speak to it from your perspective, <laughs> is I could see money trauma coming in in the way of individual trauma, individual experience through ancestral trauma, and then also through collective trauma. Would you say that's true? Would you say there's more than that? I would say you've hit the nail very beautifully on the head. When it comes to collective trauma, what do you think that could look like? Ooh. <laughs> We're in a moment of collective trauma. I, I think they're all 
There's different ways that all these different, I sometimes don't even like differentiate between the different layers of trauma because they're like so much the fabric of each other. But what I can share, I think that sometimes when there are such big things happening in the world that we feel individually ill-equipped to deal with, it causes our body to go into a shutdown because we are helpless. And one of the things that I have seen through family constellation work is that I had a teacher once who said, she said, I don't think things happen for a reason, but I think we can make meaning out of everything. Mm -hmm. And I think that there are ways that this work has taught me both to make meaning as well as to expand my understanding of context. Yeah. And there are, there is beautiful work that I have seen. Um, anytime I've done work where white supremacy was one of the factors, uh, and we've brought a representative for white supremacy into the constellation, mm -hmm. that particular system of supremacy always shows up as like a, almost like a terrified, um, terrified being who wants to terrorize everybody. Like I have literally seen a, a representative for white supremacy, and this is kind of getting into constellate, like the structure of constellation work, but like I've seen white supremacy go running from a room. Yeah. Um, and some of what that does again, is it, it releases the energy that our own body is carrying around a specific aspect of collective trauma, systemic oppression so that we can move more freely. And I think specifically with money, money has such a charged history. Um, and something that was really interesting to me when I was, so I teach a program called the Healing Money Trauma Program. And when I was developing the curriculum for that, one of the things that I was looking at was this belief that money is evil or money is the root of all evil. And it was fascinating to me. I'm not like a historian, but when I was started doing research, one of the things that I found is that that belief is like pretty anchored in some very specific biblical texts, whereas like indigenous cultures and cultures of the global South have always celebrated money and not like overly, but like it is one aspect and one element of abundance. And so, yeah, there's also this, this trauma of how we've been shaped to think about what money is or isn't, and also what money can or cannot be as it moves from, from one person to the next. You know, this, I've heard this idea before around, I'm curious just what you think about this. I've heard this idea around like money's neutral and it's us who put, what do you, what do you think about that? It's not untrue. I can tell you the five principles of money that I have learned either from my teachers or from the work. The first is that money wants to be of service. Anytime I've brought money in I'm working with a client and we bring money into the constellation, money is always like, I'm available and I just want to be here for you in the way that you want to move me. And I have also seen money say, um, but I don't want to disturb your peace. So if, if coming towards you is going to be hurtful to you, I won't. So the first is that money wants to be of service. The second is that money is meant to be in flow, much like blood 
in the human body. If blood is not is clotting and not allowed to move, illness emerges. And similarly, if money is not given equitable access to just move throughout our peoples, right? Illness also emerges. The third one is the kind of neutrality piece, which is the sense of money doesn't care what money has no judgment of anything. And in some ways, it has been a teacher for me around what it means to be a sovereign being, right? So like money, <laughs> money doesn't care if you're going to use money to exploit your staff. Money doesn't care if you're going to use money to create a mutual aid fund that supports your community. Money is just like, I'm here to be me. <laughs> and then I'll go do things, um, which is, which is accurate. So in that sense, there is that neutrality to it of it just is what it is. Yeah. And the other two that I'll share are that uh, this one is probably the most woo-woo, but that money comes from source energy that it can constantly replenish. And the last one, which I think in some ways is the most important, which is that money amplifies whatever is present in the system. So mm. if we, for example, um, there's this idea that money breaks up families and it tears apart friendships. Right. If within that friendship or that relationship, there's a hidden misalignment of values or if there is a hidden scarcity or sense of distrust if i if you and i are friends and i think i secretly right i'm jealous of what you have then yes money will come in and it will disrupt the relationship but on the other hand if there is trust and celebration and alignment of values if i'm able to be like the more that Ashley rises, I rise. I trust that we are going up in this together. Money will also come in and it will amplify that energy, um, which is, again, why I think as business owners, it is important, for, and not just business owners, but business owners who are doing, wanting to do intentional good work in the world. The more we clear out our own trauma gunk that has to do with money, the more it can flow as like we being a conduit and it just gets to move around and do good things both for us and for others. When you were describing those, I've never pictured this before, but I was sort of imagining money as like an unconditionally loving, fully attached mother. And I've never like got like that sense, like when I imagine that, picture like that sense of like like unconditional presence or like unconditional attachment and I've never I've never really matched money in those in that sense and that like really profoundly speaks to me I love that and I and I think that although it may not always show up as like what you described that mm -hmm. energy of like whatever that is for each that is often what I see in the work. Um, and so I feel very happy to hear that. Yeah, I love that. Mm -hmm. One thing I wanted to ask you was, we kind of identified some common points of trauma or pain. Have you noticed any common points of healing? Yeah, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, so many different things. 
Um, people just having lightness and ease with money. People like stressing less about when you have to pay a bill because there's more trust that it's going to come back in. Um, I'm really sort of like, I, I do tend to be careful about how I talk about like, I think like what gets talked about is like law of attraction stuff. Cause I think that there's a, a lot of ways that that becomes very victim blamey bypassing. But what I do believe is that when we believe something is possible, it is easier for that thing to become a reality. And of my favorite client stories is I had still have a client who has some pretty significant chronic illnesses, also is gender expansive and just really struggled with employment. And after the work that we did, they got a job at a disability justice organization that they really loved. And so, and it was completely flexible to when they had flares and it also like celebrated their transness. And I think again, there's so many things that we just don't think can be possible. And when, when possibility is introduced into the nervous system, so many good things can come to be. I love that, that this is something that I feel like that has come up for me in a lot of my meetings or whatever this week around around this sense of possibility and kind of widening our vision, which can be so beautiful for the nervous system. I'm wondering, like, say, yeah, let's say someone's listening and they're they're resonating that with all of this. Uh, you have like any type of thought or exercise that they could do? Yeah, from here. I, mm -hmm. I think some really simple things um, are one: look at a picture of money and notice the body sensations that are present for you, and then. You know, think about what are the body sensations that you'd like to feel when you engage with money and then see how it feels to sort of reverse engineer that, um, right? And just look at money differently. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's two things that I really love to have clients do are one, if you have access to the person who birthed you, talk to them about what your actual birth experience was like. Because oftentimes there's information that will shock you and surprise you as you map it over to like behavioral patterns or like things that you think about yourself that you're like, whoa, I had no idea, right? It can be really wild. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then uh, lastly, create a family tree and family gets to be whatever you define it as. It does not have to be blood family, we get to have expansive families of universes that want us here. So map your family tree and then take a look at that tree and see what you know about each person's relationship with money and how that shows up or like what you see reflected or different in your own relationship with money. And again, because anything, um, both talking about money is stigmatized and talking about trauma is stigmatized. So there's like a double whammy there. And as we know, with both of those things, the more we talk about it, the easier it becomes and also um, the less charge it carries. 
So see what you find and what kind of self-compassion you develop for yourself as you begin to connect some of those dots. It's so funny you, you said this point because I asked my mom last week about my birth story. My mom, hi mom, she doesn't listen to this. Um, <laughs> they never do, they never do. When people are like, oh yeah, it's just my mom on my email list. I'm like, what's happening over here? <laughs> she, it could be hard to get her to, it's like I, when I feel like a window of like, I can ask questions, mm -hmm. I become like an investigative journalist for like, <laughs> And so it was super interesting for me to pay attention to that and see the the ripples of of all of that and something I don't know I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or whatever, but I've been reflecting a lot on how young my parents were when they had me and my I mean my mom was only I think she was twenty one twenty two and it's been coming up more because i just started thinking about it like i'm 35 but my mom was 35 i was 13. Mm. and that just like puts a lot of it just adds so much more nuance yeah than when you were growing up and when you were young so i love that everyone go ask your anyone who may have it witnessed <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's so good. Something I wanted to bring up, which I don't know if I just want to name this in case there might be someone listening who relates to this, because what I'm about to name is pretty niche, but or pretty specific, is sometimes I think that they're, they're I'm really fascinated right now between the overlap of online business religious deconstruction and trauma and there's a lot depending on the type of, of religious context that you've been in there is a lot of talk about money mm -hmm. and it either I feel like it either goes one way or the other uh, in terms of what that can look like but I have been reflecting on my own experience around money and I definitely grew up in a church culture of a financial risk was heavily encouraged. Oh. Yeah. So it's like really fascinating. Fascinating. <laughs> it was very much like this idea of like, if God gives you a dream or idea, like the money will come just, just oh. start. And yeah kind of to the extreme sometimes and so what's interesting for me is that that message can be really present also in online business or getting mm. their programs yeah of like you know if you feel it's time yeah like listen to that and I think what what can be hard for that is or what I think might be important for that is really paying attention to discerning where your sense of agency is in some of that and I think at least for me growing up in like different religious settings really really sort of made things complicated for me with my sense of agency and so that's like it's something really specific but something that I I just want to name because it's so specific and it's probably not spoken to that much 
there can be real complexities when you have um, grown up more in a religious setting where I'm sort of speaking about where there is like a real encouragement to radical giving and where it's kind of like spiritualized in that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. And so can you like notice where your sense of agency is financially or like where you are in right now? Mm-hmm. I really, I really like these dots you're connecting. It does feel really important. And it's, especially I think with the, within the kind of like, what I've seen of the online business slash coaching world, mm-hmm. it's this blend, it's, it's these nuances of consent, the hyper fixation on make a choice, but then also the incredible pressure to make a choice and like real difficulty with discerning like where is my agency and what am I where am I choosing to risk versus where am does it feel like I have no choice and I have zero answers on these things I really really like this conversation and um I taught I teach a class called discerning trauma from intuition and it feels like that because like when stuff is woven you don't know I don't Oh, is it like, yeah. which is it? I don't know. Like, totally. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm so fascinated by this intersection. <laughs> and these dynamics, like they can just be so at play within us without us even being aware that that there is so much more that's happening, you know, sometimes under the surface, like, when you like, even I think when someone's really overthinking something, I almost always imagine that there's a complexity of stuff <laughs> that's going on within you, um, but might be hard to pay attention to. Yeah, and something, it's interesting. Okay, so I'll share two things. Yeah. One, I had a uh, consultation call earlier today, and the person is herself like a coach and a facilitator of things, and I think it's, I, okay, where am I rambling, finding my words? One, I, I think, okay, yeah, I'm just going to say it. Okay, so I don't, law of attraction, all that stuff, I don't put that on other people, right? But then there's stuff for me, like in what I believe in my own life or whatever. I have been really good at manifesting some of the things and people that I want. I've been really good at manifesting, right? I manifested you into my life. Like I remember very specifically, this was a resource that, and then you came in and I was like, holy fuck, and it has changed my world. Mm. And I'm in another group coaching program and I love that coach tremendously deeply. Um, But she has really pushed for me to do things that I'm not willing to do on my consultation calls. And it has been really fun both to feel my own agency, to be able to say that's not what is best for my clients and that's not what's best for me. But I think for those of us who are sort of playing with these things and are are finding a different way to do things. How do we become comfortable, um, you know, 
being clear with our prices and direct and this, this and that, and inviting people to pay us large sums of money. She was really loving watching the way that I guided and struck and held our call and like the places where there were was clarity and boundaries and this, this and that. And I said, I'm, it felt really nice to hear that because it felt nice to be contributing to this ecosystem of people who are doing business differently and finding different ways of being. And I think I'm going to tie in and say another reason why it is important to clear money trauma from your nervous system is because for those of us who are in the gentle business realm of things, we're developing something. So you are using discernment to figure out what is the right way for me to do this thing? If it's not that way, what is the way? And we, we have to have access to our own intuition and our own creativity to be able to, to do those things. Yeah, that's so good. The importance, it, that's what makes it so important to clear, to clear some of this stuff. And I, I imagine that there are some things that in a way become easier when you're able to clear some of that stuff in your nervous system. I'm even thinking about it from the reference of like, like doing sales calls mm -hmm. or console calls. I don't know. I'm such a visual person. So I was like imagining like people on sales calls and their money trauma hanging out mm -hmm. <laughs> with them in the sales call. And mm -hmm. uh, that can really make it a lot complicated. <laughs> can I pipe? Yeah. I think another yeah. like tip trick that I'm just going to give people right now is like, because yeah. you probably see yourself, you probably recognize yourself. You probably have those moments of like when you're on your sales call and you got to talk about prices and you're feeling weird or whatever, whatever. Or if the, you know, all the things something, a tip that I'll give people to try yeah. is to bring an object, right? I have this kind of like, I'm in my, <laughs> in my bathroom because that's where I do podcasts. So I'm, I have this bathtub stopper, right? So if you're at your desk, like a normal person, you can use like a pen or something and ask that object to represent your money trauma. Mm. And then and you can do that before the sales call starts and then set that object on the side and that object will hold the trauma for you so that you can be more spacious in your sales call and just show up more present and however you want to be. And then afterwards, after the call, you can just say to the object, I release you from your role. You can go back to being a pen or whatever. But that is like a tip that I love to give clients to create ease in their nervous systems when they're having those conversations. I love that. That's a great, like, implementable. Do it today. <laughs> We're talking about money. I thought I'll just ask you a fun question. If I, at the end of this call, said, I just said, I just e-transferred you $10,000. Wow. What? What would you do with it? Or what would, what would happen for you? Um, in this moment, I feel delight at the idea. Mm -hmm. um, I know that whenever I receive in one setting a larger chunk than I'm accustomed to receiving, stuff sets off for me. So I'd probably invite myself to be slow and patient as I process. And I think. I think the things that I would do, I have some loved ones that I would most immediately want to share some of that wealth with. I think that I'd probably 
take my partner out to like a really nice dinner and like <laughs> they always drive because they have a car and I don't so I might rent a car and pick them up and and then I'd probably pay off my student loans <laughs> yeah <laughs> do a little bit of work there let's be real <laughs> one thing I also that just I just want to mention is be honest I can't remember the name of this podcast but I saw I'll find it and put it in the show notes saw a recent podcast where they speak the topic of the podcast is about wealth but when they have a guest on they ask the guest what are little things that make you feel wealthy mm. and so the answers are things like I don't know like wearing silk or finishing work at a certain time or going to the spa or really nice pair of earrings whatever mm-hmm. um, I also feel like that's a cool way to really ground into into that that sense of wealth in a way that might not feel so intimidating. Mm-hmm. And I love that just how it can be so different for everyone. Like my, what makes me feel wealthy might be so different mm-hmm. than what makes someone else feel wealthy. And like really being able to identify that for ourselves this is what this means to me and so I get to pursue it in the way that it means something to me versus how other people might view it for themselves mm. in a, in closing is there anything that you feel is really important to say or to share mm. Can I share my answer to that question? Yeah, I'd love that. Yeah, because I was, I think I was surprised by the answers. One is having really good chocolate in my fridge. Um, And the other, uh, I think, is having a coach I really love and trust that I can like hit up on Voxer or something, you know, some people that I can talk to about things that are important to me. Um, like unlimited and unconditionally are things that I know. I was like, oh, those make me feel wealthy. Mm, I love that. Mm-hmm. For some reason, this, I don't know why, but so this whole time I've been picturing orange juice. Oh, <laughs> oh. Mm-hmm. I don't know where that's coming from. I, I don't know if it's coming from when thinking of like, because I don't really do this, but <laughs> when people go to brunch, like, in the middle of the day and have like mimosas Mm. it's just like I don't drink so it's just kind of a Mm. funny so I can just enjoy the orange juice midday Mm. drink it slowly and have a have a cozy brunch yeah amazing well I I love this I love this combo I feel like we got into some really interesting and fascinating and healing aspects uh, I love I love podcast interviews when they can go out in expected places and I feel like that got to happen a little bit for us so thanks for bringing your presence and voice to this thanks for having me it's been really lovely being here
Whether you've listened to this podcast once or you've listened to it many times, you've heard me talk about Marvelous and Willow Space, who really have supported this podcast in coming to life. And it's such a joy for me to share different aspects of those softwares that are supportive and gentle to those of us running businesses from a more intentional place and one of the things that I wanted to share about Marvelous today is that one of the things that I love about it is it really has a beautiful and intuitive design and interface mixed with it being easy to move around inside of and I am currently in the process of moving my membership from a different software over to Marvelous and it has just been so easy to do and then also so easy to make it look pretty and that's my that's really what I wanted to highlight to all of you today and I think that for a lot of those who listen to this podcast those are really important things to us is it easy to use is it easy to implement And is it easy to make it look pretty? And if it can hit those three, we're really happy people. So if you haven't checked out Marvelous, feel free to go ahead and explore it. And you can always send me questions on either software, so I'm really happy to help. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Gentle Business Sessions. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation. If you want to share anything with me, make sure to send me a DM on Instagram or send me an email. I would love to chat more. And if you know someone who would be supported by this conversation, definitely send it on to them if that feels good to you. And no matter where you are today, no matter what you're up to, no matter what you're doing, I hope that you can feel a sense of safety and care and goodness within yourself, within your business, within your body. And and may you remember to be gentle with you.